what I want to do now is uh, just have all of us bow our heads and close our eyes. Um, not looking around. And let's just take this time to verbally express praise to God um, for this week. Anything this week that, that has happened that you can praise him for, let's find, let's find evidences of God's goodness in our lives this week, all right? Because we can get so caught up in how bad things are, how, how retarded we think our parents are, uh, how retarded our teachers are. These are the words that y'all use, right? Uh, and how unfair everything is. But let's, let's think about what good God has done for us this week and in our life. And let's just, let's just shout it out. We'll, we'll do these popcorn prayers and we will give praise to God tonight. Just one sentence and that's all you got to do. And let's just give God the honor that he is worthy of tonight. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you for encouragement. Lord, I thank you for teens who are not afraid to pray out loud.
for your son, God. Lord, Lord, I pray that these, uh, these sacrifices of praise that we have made to you tonight would be acceptable to you. Lord, there's so much more that we could say. We could stay here for hours and just tell you how good you are in, in thankful praise. Um, Lord, you are so good to us, and we thank you for it. Lord, help us to, to not feel guilty about your goodness to us. Um, but to just enjoy the blessings that you give us and to return praise to you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> All right, tonight, who knows what we're talking about tonight? Right, very good. Top 10 teen questions. And you guys filled out this questionnaire on Sunday morning, or you filled out your top five questions. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of y'all weren't here on Sunday morning. Y'all missed out. Um, what is today? September 11th, 2009. What happened on September 11th eight years ago? 9-11 happened on September 11th. Very good. Huh? Trey was eight, and eight years before that, Trey was born. Is that coincidence? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, uh, so, okay, what happened? What happened? All right, let's be real. A lot of people died because what happened? Two planes crashed into the Twin Towers, the financial center in New, in New York City, right? And how many people died? The movie Knowing will say 2,996, but let's just say around 3,000 people, all right? Now, when the towers first went down, they thought like 10,000 people were dead, but they realized a lot of them had gotten out. Um, but... Who remembers how they felt that day? I know most of y'all were so young. <laughs> Michael. Michael didn't feel anything because he didn't know until the day after. Andrew? I probably felt like it was just so unreal. Because yeah. I've been to New York and I've seen the World Trade Center. Right. And that's one of those things when you come and you see and it's like, I'm not
What do you, what do you, Kyle, go ahead. Sorry, you had your hand up. I, I was going to say something, but I wanted you to talk. That's funny. That's funny. Okay. I was in West Palm Beach. This is actually a week before I went to Word of Life. And I was in West Palm Beach and I was getting my car insured and licensed. And I was listening to it on the radio. And, and, you know, the two planes had already crashed into the Twin Towers. And um, then they, they cut to Washington, where they said another plane had crashed into the Pentagon. And I started freaking out, because I'm like, where else are they going to land? You know, what else are they going to hit? So I'm like watching the sky in Florida. Like, I'm just waiting for the next one to hit, you know? Like, there's nothing in West Palm for them to hit, but I don't know, you know? It was just that kind of day, where it's like, what is going on? But uh, about 3,000 people died. What do, you think, what do you think those families were asking after that? What kind of questions? Why? Right? Some of them were probably Christians, right? What do you think they were asking? Why? Why? <laughs> right, right? Why was it so instead of my journey? That type thing. Right. Um, and, so, and so I asked you guys to write out your top five questions, the top issues you struggle with. And by far the number one question is, or was, why, do bad, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Okay? In some form or another, that's how the question was formed. Okay? Um, why do bad things happen to good people? You okay, Joy? Okay. Um, and so I don't think it's any coincidence that on the anniversary of September 11th, this is the topic that comes up for us. Do you, do you, see, how, you see how God is working this together? How we talk about why do bad things happen to good people, and it just so happens to be on the day that September 11th, on the anniversary of September 11th. Um, so let's pray tonight because this is a big topic, and there's no way I can get through everything tonight. But uh, I'm going to just let you guys kind of ask questions and see, you know, I've got things I want to say, but I want you guys to ask some questions so that, you know, I can get through, I can get through what I want to get through. All right? Um, let's pray. Lord, this topic tonight is far bigger than our minds can conceive um, or comprehend or understand. Lord, I just ask your spirit to be with us tonight that he would illuminate our mind, give us understanding, um, give us faith to accept what your word says, to believe it, uh, and to put it into practice. Lord, there are many in here tonight who are wrestling with this question, who have had horrible things happen to them and happen to family members and people they know, and the question of why uh, comes up. Why would you let that happen? And Lord, tonight we just ask you to uh, give us a, a greater appreciation for, for who you are and um, so that we can love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The first thing I want to do is, uh, Nathan, you, you got the, 
We got the scripture? Yeah, let's, let's get that up there. Um, Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Let's see what it says. Let me read that. It says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. All right? Tonight, I would like you guys to listen with a heart of faith. Because I can explain this. I've thought about a million different angles that I could take this question from and you know I can explain every single thing about this that I how I understand the answer to be but if you hear it with ears of doubt with ears of skepticism with ears that say I don't like that answer and so I'm not gonna believe it this question will haunt you for the rest of your life. Okay? And so what God has said is that if you, would, if you want to draw near to him, you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Okay? So what he's saying is if you hear, if you listen, if you have faith, if you put it into practice, God rewards that. Okay? Because, like I say, I can explain all of this tonight, and some of you will walk out of here like you never heard anything. And next week, you'll come back with the same question. All right, so what I'm hoping to do tonight is that if you guys listen, we can settle this question in your hearts. All right? It's a big question. Uh, we won't understand everything. But what, what God does have to say, we can accept it and it can give us comfort and peace with how big this question is. All right, so listen with ears of faith. That will please God tonight. Now, this question has been asked down through the ages, all right? Why does God allow... If God is a good God, okay... Because he could be a bad God. That would explain why he allows bad things to happen, right? If God is a good God, like the Bible says, and he's all-powerful, why does he let bad things happen to good people? All right? If God is all-loving, why do bad things happen? If God is all-powerful, he should be able to stop bad things from happening. But bad things still happen. So what is it? Is it either that God is not all good or is it that he's not all powerful? I submit to you that neither one of those answers are good enough. Okay? Does everybody understand the question? Okay? Very good. But what I want to do tonight is kind of Let's get underneath the question. Let's go behind the question and see what kind of uh, 
motivations are for asking this question. Why do people ask this question? Because what? You see it all the time? See what all the time? What's happening around you? So bad things are happening all the time, right? We don't like to suffer, right? Who likes to suffer? Anybody? Okay. Um, we think we shouldn't suffer, some of us. Um, a big assumption in this question is that there are good people, right? We say, why do bad things happen to good people? If people are good, nothing bad should happen to them. That's what we say, right? And we assume that we're good. That's a big assumption right there, okay? And we'll get to that. Uh, some people ask this question so that they can say, God doesn't exist. The good God of the Bible doesn't exist, so I don't have to obey him. Because if he was good and powerful, he wouldn't let bad things happen. Okay? 9-11, the tsunami in 2004, about 250,000 people dead. Um, happened on Christmas Day, no less. People look at that and say, how could God do this? How could God let this happen? Um, they also assume that whenever bad things happen or whenever people suffer, there is no point to it. They say that there's so much pointless suffering, therefore God can't exist. Now, that's actually a very arrogant statement. Who can tell me why that's an arrogant statement? Anybody can think about it? It's, it's difficult. Go ahead, Mike. There, there you go. We assume that when we see something bad happen, if, say, you know, just think of something really bad. I don't, I don't want to give details or examples because some of you have experienced these things. But if something bad happens, we look at it and we say, that is pointless. And so we assume that our mind has all of the capabilities to be able to look at that event and say, there is no other reason that that could have happened. There is no good that can come out of this. And so we think our brain is bigger than God's brain. Right? Um, is it possible that God can use something that seems bad to us for his greater purposes that we don't see right now? Right? So people who say that because bad things happen, there is no God, automatically are assuming that they can see every possible outcome. Now, you want to talk about a leap of blind faith. Okay? All right. <clears throat> so let's, let's think about it, though. What, what if we look at evil and say, okay, there's no God. I'm not going to believe in God. 
Where does that leave us? Does it does it give, does it solve anything? To say I won't believe in God because they're suffering. Does that solve anything? Not really. It takes away because if you're looking at that event and saying there was no purpose in that. It was there was pointless death in that. Well, that's, uh, that's what we're saying. Things happen for a reason. Sometimes we don't know why they exactly happen. But denying that God exists because evil exists doesn't stop evil from existing, right? Okay. But when you deny that God exists, why do you have a problem with evil? Because if you deny that God exists, then you're left with evolution and what natural selection. Who knows what natural selection is? That's like that's where nature kind of like mutates and starts forming different creatures, and the different creatures, it, it, survival of the fittest. Okay, whichever creature, when it's evolving, whichever creature can survive. Even if it has to kill other creatures to live, that's how, that's what you're left with. So it's survival of the fittest. Whoever can survive, whoever can beat the other species, wins and survives and lives. And so all you're left with is destruction, death, uh, as, as natural. That's just life. If you take God out of it, you're just left with death and destruction. Uh, as how nature works. And so you should be okay with that. That's just how the world is. All right? Everybody understand this? That's just how the world is if you take God out of the picture. And so you really have no basis for objecting to when bad things happen. How do you determine what is bad? Based on your own feelings of it? Well, what if Lauren says... That's good to her. Who determines what's my bad and what's her good? And if her good is my bad, that shouldn't... Who decides? Is it just whichever one of us can dominate the other one? And wipe the other one out? What did you say, Trey? Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't leave us any better off, right? So when we take God out of the picture, we take away any uh, any standard for how we determine what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. Then it's just left up to people's personal preference, and that gets messy, right? You just look at F and M and PLP and Republican and Democrat, and people get at each at each other's throats. For little things, imagine big things. Hold on, Trey. <laughs> you have a real question, or are you going to talk about F and M and PLP? No. Okay. What's your question?
is for instance. Trey, you can't take five minutes on this. You got you got ten seconds. What's your question? What's your question? What's your question? Okay, it doesn't solve anything. Okay, so you agree with me. Very good. Um, so if if there is no God and there's suffering, how do we solve suffering? We can't, right? So we try. How do people try to stop suffering without God? Red Cross, there you go. Humanitarian efforts, science, right? Finding ways to extend life. Um, government, right? We, we make new laws. But all of those things, none of those things stop earthquakes, right? None of those things stop hurricanes. None of those things stop us from dying. You're still going to die. And so everything that you have substituted for God still fails. All right? So. Is it possible that suffering provides evidence for God? We're going to blow our minds, right? The fact that we know that things are good and bad. The fact that we know it's wrong to torture babies, right? We know that's wrong, right? Anybody, anybody got a hobby that I should know about? Um, you, Trey tortures his cat. All right. A little bit. Because we have a standard of good and evil, right? Because God gives us this standard of good and evil. We know when something is wrong. We know when we feel pain. So when we suffer... We have an understanding that there is right and wrong. Now, why, why are there earthquakes? Why do people kill each other? Mitchell said it. We live in a fallen world. What does that mean? Nothing is stable. That's true. What happened? What happened? Why is the world falling? Because of sin. Yes. Because of sin. Because Adam and Eve sinned, and that sent the whole world into chaos. Hey? Yes, Mandy? Mm-hmm. 
I do believe that. I believe that if they had never sinned, we would have lived forever. But they did. And so, and God said in the book of Genesis that the earth would be cursed. Um, and so we see evidence of that, that sin brought about, sin was so destructive to us, to the earth. Like, our sin didn't just affect the human race, it affected the earth. All right? So plants die. There's earthquakes. There's hurricanes that destroy things. We die. We get sick. These are all the result of sin. Now, sin, like Mitch said, we live in a fallen world. Sin is still around. And so as long as sin is still around, these things are still going to happen. All right? Um, yeah. I was going to say something else, but I forget. Um, anybody got any questions at this point? One of the questions that I got was, um, after the flood, why didn't God uh, just destroy Satan so that no one would sin anymore? And most of the time, we don't need Satan's help to sin. Right? We're good at getting our own self in trouble. The book of James says it's our own desires that cause us to sin. So uh, all of uh, plenty of times we want to blame Satan for everything that's going wrong, but plenty of times it's just us. And having a sin nature, having, you know, being born with what Adam and Eve did, we have sin in us. And we don't need Satan to help us. Something funny, Stephen? Okay. The point is, and we'll get to this, is that even though bad things do happen, yes, God is still able to be all good and all powerful. Okay? Because, like Michael said, we do not have the capacity to see every possible outcome of what that evil or bad event can produce. We don't have that ability. But we do have promises from God's word for what God says can happen. Romans chapter 8. Okay? We'll set this up. Romans chapter 8 verse 18. This is what he says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So Paul is acknowledging that there are sufferings right now. Okay? People are suffering. He is suffering. The Romans were suffering. Roman Christians were suffering. Paul doesn't say, you know, it's God's fault. Paul says... This is a part of this life. Suffering is a part of this life. But one day, God is going to change all that. Okay? 
So he's acknowledging that they're suffering. And then when we turn over to verse 28, he says, says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So he's saying, if you are a Christian, if you've been called by God, if you belong to Christ, you can know that God is working all things together for good. Even the evil things. Even the things that we look at and we say, I don't see any way that this can turn out good for anybody. God is saying he will work that into something good in the end. Now, who knows what happened to Joseph in the Bible? The first one. Not Jesus' daddy. Or, or what do you say? Right, sold into slavery. His brothers beat him up, threw him in a pit. Huh? Right, they tore his coat. I don't think he was too worried about that. Uh, brothers threw him into the pit, sold him as a slave. This is his brothers. Brothers sell you as a slave. All right. Goes to Egypt. Uh, gets accused of committing adultery. Gets thrown in prison. Yes, Andrew? Well, yes. It's almost right. We'll see how the FNM would deal with that. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, they weren't married, so I guess it wouldn't count. Uh, <laughs> gets thrown in prison falsely, okay? Falsely accused, thrown in prison, left there to rot, okay? What else happens to him? Yeah, he interprets dreams. Uh, he interprets someone in prison's dream, and then uh, he tells him, hey, when you go back to see the king, uh, remember me. Tell him about me, all right? And that guy does, forgets Joseph for two years, for two more years, until he's finally called out of prison to interpret the king's dream. And then Joseph is made head of Egypt, basically, second in command of Pharaoh. Then there's a drought in Israel and Joseph's brothers have to come and beg him for food. And what happens? Joseph eventually takes his family into Egypt and gives them food, right? He gets to feed them. And what did Joseph say to them? He said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good to the saving of many lives, all right? If Joseph hadn't gone through all that suffering, he would have never gotten to that point in the palace where he was able to do good and save other people's lives. I imagine Joseph sitting in prison and saying, how is this gonna turn out, you know? While he was in prison, the Bible says the Lord was with him. So sometimes suffering is not, you know, evidence of God's punishment. Sometimes 
It is God molding us, shaping us, developing character within us. Because at the beginning, Joseph was kind of a cocky dude. Like he would go up to his brothers and say, oh, I had a dream last night that all y'all are going to bow down to me. I don't know. It's a pretty cool dream. Right? And so they dealt with him. And so maybe Joseph needed to be humbled a little bit. Um, there, the point is that there are all kinds of reasons that God can use. Suffering can be a refining tool that God uses. In the, the tsunami, 250,000 people dead, there were over, let's see, seven billion dollars in aid donated to those people from around the world. It stirred things in people's hearts to give. There was some good that came out of that. We don't know all the repercussions, all the ripple effects that that thing can have. Um, Okay. The point is that God has said that he is supreme in authority over everything. And there are, he has purposes for everything, even when we don't understand it. And that is not something that's easy to hear when we are going through something. When the person we love the most tells us they don't want anything to do with us anymore. When the person we love dies. And we look at those things and we say, why God? Why God? Why God? God asks us to trust him. To trust that he is good and that he is all powerful. Romans chapter 9. Verses 21 through 23. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand, for glory. God is saying one of the purposes for suffering in this world might be that when this is all over, when we look at the evil and the good the way God treats those who are saved and the way God treats those who are evil. We will be able to appreciate it that much more. It's the, it's the situation where if we never knew what bad was, we wouldn't know how good good is. Okay? So but because we know what suffering is, when Christ returns and restores everything, we are going to be able to appreciate it that much more. And he is going to receive more praise from us because we can appreciate it. That's, one, that's another purpose for suffering. 
think suffering shows us consequences of sin, how serious sin is. Suffering helps us to depend on God. It humbles us, right? And suffering helps us to appreciate the good things that we do have. It helps us to not be arrogant, to not be cocky. It helps us to be humble and say, thank you, Lord, for the good things that that I do have. And in the future, when God restores everything to perfection with no sin and no Satan, and we are changed people, right? We get new bodies when Jesus comes back. When all of that has changed, we'll be able to say, God, this is awesome. You are awesome because we know how bad it was. I'm going to close with Luke chapter 13. Okay. This is what it says. There were some present at that very time who told him, Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So these Jews were offering sacrifices and Pilate had them killed while they were offering sacrifices to God. All right? That might seem like, hey, maybe God didn't like their sacrifices. And so he killed them because they didn't offer the right sacrifices. This is what the people were thinking as they heard this. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And now he gives another scenario. These were the headlines of the day. All right. Galileans killed by Pilate. The next one. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So just like we had twin towers that fell, back in Jesus' day, there was a tower that fell on top of people and killed them. And the people said, why did this happen? They must have been bad people. And Jesus says, no. Your suffering isn't always uh, related to you doing something so bad that God decides to punish you. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it isn't. And Jesus doesn't even really answer the question. What he says is, he doesn't turn this into, you know, well, they sinned this much, so this is what happens to them. What he turns it into is, You're sinning. Don't look at those people. Look at yourself. All right? Look at you. Look inside of you. Look at what you know you do that's wrong. Jesus says, if you leave that unchecked, you are going to end up just like them. So we we look at 9-11, we look at Katrina, we look at the tsunami, and we say, wow, God must have been punishing them. Um, Not necessarily. What God might have been using it for 
is a warning shot over your bow to say, you, look at your own life. Where do you sin? Do you fly off the handle? Is your temper out of control? Do you lust every six seconds for a girl? That's what they say, you know. They say men think about sex every like eight seconds in the day. Supposedly. I don't know. So girls, side note, okay, rabbit trail. <laughs> Guys are after one thing, most of them. Not Thaddeus, of course. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so let's do that tonight. Let's think about it. Let's think about suffering is real. God doesn't deny it. And just because you obey God doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. Because let's look at the people in the Bible. All right. People who obeyed God. It didn't turn out so good for them all the time. Let's look at Joseph. Let's look at Abraham. Let's look at Peter. Let's look at Jonah. Look at Jeremiah. Look at Ezekiel. Look at all the apostles. Almost all of them were killed for their faith. So we don't say, you know, because I obey, nothing bad should ever happen to me. It's not how it works. Suffering is here. The question is, are we going to believe that God is good, and that God is powerful, and that God has a purpose for it, even when we don't understand it? One thing we do know is not that God does not care. Because Jesus came... And he suffered. He suffered on the cross. He suffered betrayal. He suffered torture. He suffered rejection by his family. He suffered eternal, well, not eternal, sorry. He suffered separation from God. Now, how do you guys feel? Say you've been dating somebody for three years. And then you think everything's going good, and then all of a sudden one day they turn around and say, sorry, it's over. I got somebody else. How do you feel? How do you think that person feels? You, you may not have felt that, but you've seen people who have experienced that. They want to die, don't they? It doesn't feel good. Now imagine Jesus having the greatest relationship with the Father for all eternity. And then on the cross, bearing your sin and my sin, that relationship is cut off. You want to talk about agony. This isn't a dating relationship. This is a perfect, loving relationship with the Father that he has had for all time. Before the beginning, because God existed, has always existed. And that, that makes our minds blow up as well. Okay? Um, that's the thing these questions these questions should 
enlargen our view of God. Embiggen. All right? Should make our view of God that much bigger and just appreciate and just be like, God, I don't understand it, but I am in awe of this. If we listen with faith, right? If we put this into our heart and practice this with faith, to say, even though that person did that to me, I know God can use this. It didn't feel good. It doesn't feel good now. But I know and I trust that God is still good and can use this somehow. We know God cares because he came and he experienced it in a greater way than we can ever experience it. But we know that there's hope because why he didn't just die, what did he do? He he arose, he came back to life. In the resurrection, there was renewal. And this is the hope that we have that when Christ comes back, everything that was ever wrong will be restored. And we'll be able to look back and say, God, you are good. If we take God out of it, if we look at these things and say, God's not good, God's not all powerful. If we look at those things and we do that, and we take God out of the picture, we take all of our hope out of it. And that's what people do sometimes. Something so bad has happened and they've suffered so much and they say, I don't, I don't trust God anymore. Then you've taken away the only thing that can help you. So that's my prayer for you guys tonight. If you have suffered, trust in Jesus. He suffered. He died for your sins. All the suffering that sin has caused, he took on himself. And he paid the penalty for your sin and he rose again to give you hope, to give you life. You can can have that life tonight. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much just for your word and how we don't understand everything. We don't understand why you do everything that you do. And for some of us tonight, Lord, this answer isn't good enough um, to explain why we have to suffer the way we do. Lord, I pray that we would, or that those people, and even myself sometimes when I question you, um, that we would humble our hearts, believe the right things about you, to believe that you have made promises toward us for our good, that you are working all things together for good for those who love you. God, help us to love you more because we know that you're in control, uh, because we know that you can work anything out for good, even though it seems totally evil and wrong to us. That you can use suffering for your glory and for your praise. Lord, help us to, to love you and praise you more tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.